wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC Telanda. Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell and ready or not, the Toronto FC 2024 season starts on Sunday. Either that thought fills you with hope and excitement for a new season or existential dread and the earned pessimism and the tough skin of a rhino. Uh, either way, we're diving in uh, on all things TFC uh, going into the season, roster updates, preseason thoughts. You know, have they been have they done enough to be ready? For the start of the 2024 season, we get some <laughs> expert opinions <laughs> from John Molinaro and MLS Armchair. Yeah, I know. <sighs> Welcome back, mm. Greg. Um, mm. And uh, some expert opinions from MLS Armchair analyst Matt Doyle, plus uh, the TTID crew, us give you our 2024 table predictions for the team. So much to get into this week, so let's not waste any time with my co-hosts, Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Are you ready? Are you ready for TFC season? Not quite Eve, but close enough. <laughs> well, first, Jeff, shout out for the new uh, new backdrop I just noticed when I came in. Yeah. I'm like, is something off? Am I am I missing mm, something? XP, baby. Yeah. yeah, on the ball. Yeah, I, yeah, with the window. Well, XP I am on the ball. And and it's funny. This is like the first one you've produced in weeks, and I forgot to take all the faff from the podcast off there. So I like watched your the gears working, trying to figure out where the intro <laughs> yeah, is. I'm sorry about my that, toes there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what's mm -hmm. funny about this off season? It's it's felt like it's gone by super super quickly from like a Toronto FC perspective and I can't figure out if it's because we're just not that excited about you know the start of the season given the way that the club ended last year and how there's not been many changes or just because of that because there hasn't been many moves and we're still waiting for moves to happen so I still feel like we're kind of in off-season mode but yet you know three days from now the season kicks off I just I don't know I just feel like I blinked and, and missed it I got Aaron Long season baby yeah, mm -hmm. I, I got heart palpitations when you said three days away from the start of the season. I'm like, I don't know. Never tell ready. me the odds. Yeah, I don't know if they're ready, but we're going to find out soon enough. Um, gents, why don't we just jump right into it? Because we got a lot uh, to get into and we got a really yeah. special guest. Um, let's bring in MLS armchair analyst expert. You know him. You love him. It's Matt Doyle. Matt, how you doing? Uh, welcome to Toronto Till I Die. Yeah, it's nice to finally be on, guys. It's good uh, to see you all uh, over over StreamYard here and uh, ready for the season to begin. Yeah, Matt, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I don't think it's lost on anybody how poor TFC season was last year and how poor, you know, the team has been over the last three seasons, really since the end of the Greg Vanny era uh, in, in Toronto. And one of the things that I'm always interested in when bringing on guests that are outside of the Toronto bubble is sort of what is now the perception of Toronto FC in sort of the MLS world sort of outside our bubble? Because, look, in Toronto, we, we micro scrutinize this team on every little nook and cranny. But I wonder what the MLS world is thinking of the club really, not just last season, but in the preceding seasons before that. I think going into last season, there was real optimism because we didn't know how ridiculous the Italian DPs would be. 
we like i think everybody kind of thought they would live up to their their talent at least come close to it and you know bob bradley did not cover himself in glory in toronto but he has a lot of equity justifiably with fans so i think after 2022 there was an expectation that it would all sort of come together i mean i i'm still a little bit shocked at, at how badly it all fell apart, but there's certainly been a lot of reporting as to the why and the how. Mm. Um, and where does that leave us now in terms of what do people outside of Toronto think of Toronto FC? Um, the same thing we thought of Toronto FC before the Greg Vanny era, which was, oh, wow, these guys spend a lot of money and have no idea how to put together a team. They're probably going to be really bad. I think, yeah, I mean, that that's fair, right? Given yeah. what uh, what this team has spent, given the results, given, as, as you alluded to there, Matt, like everything that's gone on kind of behind the scenes. Um, the one thing that, you know, has changed for TFC this offseason, biggest change, obviously, is John Herdman. Um, the roster, for the most part, has stayed intact, right? We have only three additions to this Toronto FC team from last year. None of those additions really jump off the page um so really all eyes will be on john herman here so i guess my question you know to you is how much of a difference can a head coach and a new tactics new new system how much of that how much of a difference can that make is there a world here where you know same roster essentially uh, john herman turns this ship around uh do you guys remember how many changes cincinnati made when pat noonan and chris albright came in yeah fair. it wasn't a lot it was not a lot, and that that was a team that had won, quote unquote, the wooden spoon three years, three years in a row. And they they did make, I think, more changes than Toronto have made this offseason. Um, but it they didn't they didn't say we need to tear this down. There's no talent here. They said we need to work better with what the talent we have with what they can do. Um, so tactically, there were obviously some changes. Like the first thing they did was show Lucho Acosta some video and be like, you're dropping 70 yards deep to get the ball. We don't want you to do that. You're one of the best number 10s in the league. We want you picking up the ball in the attacking third. Um, so those, you know, some tactical changes, a couple of personnel changes, and really vibes changes, man. Like getting some professionalism in the front office, in the locker room. Um, you know, I love writing about tactics. I love thinking about tactics. That's how I see the game. Um, but give me a team with mediocre tactics that everybody in that locker room is is brought into, bought into. And I would take that over a team with A-plus tactics, but mediocre by it any day. Ooh, so this is Ooh. like this. This season is just a question. It's not just, but it's largely a question of like how how good can John Herdman do in terms of repairing the um, emotional infrastructure of that locker room? Because mm -hmm. there are a lot of players on that roster who can play the game and they haven't shown it for the last two years. And I don't think it's because the tactics were bad. I think it's because the players were not bought in at all. Hmm. For sure. He's and I guess, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. I was just going well, I was going to ask you, you know, it's interesting because John Herdman talked a lot about that sort of emotional sports trauma that the team had gone through last season. That's the word he used. Exactly. Yeah. And trying to, to solve that. So it will be interesting to see 
just out of that if they can find some <clears throat> excuse me some just improvements just from simply that because this team defensively before Bob Bradley left wasn't exactly that bad um they weren't great mm -hmm. uh, but they weren't that bad it the wheels fell off after he left and and for a lot of different reasons but I wonder if they can get a little bit of that back and this corner leads into sort of another question here um uh, Jeff I think this was yours but if you don't mind I may just uh, jump in on this one stealing um, stealing my questions is is a part of our heritage guys yeah I know <laughs> um, outside of the two DPs who needs to have a big season for this not to turn into back-to-back -back wooden spoons um everybody up the spine right it, it, the the answer is whoever happens to be the starting center backs and do we know officially whether it's going to be a back four or a back five i think yeah, it's, it's going to be a back support, three yeah. just based on his comments like john herman is a yeah. big fan of the back three again do they have the personnel to roll out a back three that's a completely different question right they yeah, i mean shopping pretty heavily right now i mean that there's definite need yeah yeah, so if it's a back three, then it's the three center backs, Sean Johnson, and I guess Davey Flores is probably the starting defensive midfielder. Yeah. If those guys all, you know, hit adequate levels, then the season will probably be not a complete disaster. You probably won't have the number one over. Well, you won't have the number two overall draft pick next year because San Diego is going to have the number one pick. But you you get my point, right? Like like if. Mm -hmm. if if you have that foundational defense, then that allows you to figure out a lot of stuff with who's going to be doing the attacking without necessarily shooting yourself in the foot. But it's just such a massive if because, the you know, none of the names on that depth chart at center back really jump out at you at all as like the type of guys who you would say is, a you know, no doubt about it, starter on a playoff game. So it. It could, you know, I could be wrong about that. John Herdman could work wonders with this group, um, but I picked this team to win another wooden spoon. I am far from the only one in the MLS media sphere to to have done that. Um, there's going to be a lot of, uh, well, let's see how it goes uh, as people assess TFC. Mm -hmm. When would we? When would you push the panic button? I mean, I've read your columns. It seems like you're pushing it already. But you know, reset the clock. When should we start tearing our hair out uh, this season? Uh, well, I'm an old Metro Stars fan, and this happened in 1999. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so Metro. Yeah, I, I, I would not bother. Um, taking the panic button out of the bubble wrap for 2024. I, I just awesome. don't think, I don't think that is the game you guys are playing this year. If, if you were trying to compete, there would have been more moves in the off season. Um, so I think, I think 2024 is as much a teardown year as it is a buildup year. Um, the things I would be interested in are the development of the young players, um, Shaquille Marshall Ruddy, DeAndre Kerr, I thought was kind of a silver lining last year. Uh, you know, Kosey Thompson. I, I'm sure that there are kids that I don't even know about who might end up. Alonzo Quasio. There you go. Alonzo, well, he's yeah. not really a kid anymore, right? He's 25. Yeah, yeah that's Lazar true. Savanovich, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. Savanovich if they give him minutes. So it's like that, that's the, to me, that's the measure of success for Toronto FC this year. It's like, okay, can we develop some sort of, um, tactical infrastructure and identity. Yes. Can we 
develop some of our young players. Yes. Okay. Let's think about two or three transfer windows from now, what we're going to want to build around that. Um, and to bring it back to the Cincinnati thing, like Cincinnati ended up, I think, winning the Supporters Shield last year, a year ahead of schedule. That was year two of the Albright Noonan rebuild. Um, but the first year was about just being pretty decent. Um, now, I think they were ahead of schedule on that as well because they actually made the playoffs. But getting like the first half of that year, they were just like figuring stuff out. And I think that is what toronto have to what the fans i think are probably going to have to even though I, I doubt anyone in the front office or the coaching staff will say it but like that's what they're going to have to accept for this half season because mm. if you look at it um there's there's not a lot of guys on this team who you would say are, are like playoff starters it, it's really funny that you keep pointing to budget, yeah yeah it's really funny they keep pointing to fc cincinnati because that's who john herman came in right away and kind of signaled as sort of the team that they wanted to become. That's a team that they studied very closely, and it's also going to be their opponents on Sunday nonetheless, so the parallels are endless there. Um, yeah, it'd be great if TFC can can find a way to kind of emulate that success. I'm with you. I think we got to temper expectations this season. Um, it'd be Honestly, again, I think we're playing with house money this year. If, if TFC end up, you know, making a run, make getting into the playoffs, that is an absolute win for this team. But the bigger picture is kind of hitting that reset button altogether, which they haven't done a good enough job of, I think, this offseason when it comes to, you know, resetting uh, a lot of this, the culture and whatnot. And it's, it surprised me. But I, I think that's a kind of a message from the from ownership to the front office that you're not just going to get an endless amount of cash to buy your 100%. way out of the, the yeah. mistakes that you've made in putting this together. So, you know, looking at that and understanding that the East is a bloodbath this year, like I did my power rankings, eight of the top 10 teams are in the East and I'm not even counting NYCFC who spent $20 million over the past two transfer windows, right? That might be a 10th place team in the Eastern conference. So looking at that, like I would look, my mantra would be 40 points and two kids developed. Like that's, that's a win for mm -hmm. 2024 as far as I'm concerned. Orange slices at halftime. Everybody has some fun <laughs> up there. <essentially. laughs> there it is. Just speaking mm -hmm. of kids being developed, um, first overall pick, obviously Tyree Spicer joining Toronto FC. Now, traditionally in sports and North American sports, we hear first overall pick and we're like, dang this this guy's going to be you know a franchise player he's going to be a difference maker mls is a little bit different mm -hmm. that said toronto fc went after a player who was close as close to being an impact ready player an mls ready player they went for a player who's 23 years of age what's a reasonable expectation for tyree spicer this year are we thinking 1500 you know 2000 minutes is that excessive what are we thinking for tyree spicer I mean, I would be hoping 2,000 minutes across all competitions. Wow. Yeah. Um, and like, if if he's not getting that, then what are you doing? You know, like, like we see every year that there are good players who come out of the draft. And if you are eschewing a younger talent um, who might take a little bit longer to develop for a 23-year-old um, who is trinidadian so he, he takes up an international roster slot as well you better be hoping you better have a plan 
for this kid to play a lot of minutes. And given that it seems likely that it's going to be a 3-5-2 or maybe a 3-4-2-1, Spicer's best fit is probably as an attacking left wing back. Sort of like mm-hmm. poor man's Alfonso Davies, a, a player that obviously John Herdman is very familiar with. So the hope is that he can um, win that job and learn on that job and be productive and be uh, a clear foundational part of this next era of Toronto F- FC. And I'm not going to say it's a failure if he doesn't hit all those boxes, but it, like I would be disappointed. Toronto, like Toronto is not in a position to to whiff on a draft pick of that magnitude, man. Like you guys yeah. had to get it right. Yeah. And they, they yeah. passed on Kamani Stuart brains, a, a young Canadian kid right in your backyard. Who was, you know, a couple years younger. That might've been more in line with kind of where they are as a club in terms of development, but yet they take a, a bit of a gamble. Like you said, international roster spot, pre-signed senior, 23 years old. And they kind of go for a pick that not a lot of people had on their radar. So it'll be interesting to see if he can slot in as and become a starter right away. Cause I think, I think that's the expectation here in Toronto based on where the club's at. For sure. Yeah. Um, we got one question in speaking of, of, of kids um, from Paul on Twitter, who just uh, wanted to ask you Matt specifically about Jaquil Marshall Ruddy. This is the ongoing saga of a young player who just we're waiting for that player to be that kid. And it just hasn't happened quite yet. Um, but he's asking uh, positionally, where do you think the best or ideal fit for him to thrive is uh, based on what you've seen so far? Does it fit a more central role or is he still staying out wide at one of the wingback roles? I mean, I, everything I've seen, it seems to suggest that he he's more comfortable out wide than centrally, but I thought that about Mark Anthony K at the same age, and, and we know how his career has developed. Um, I'm look if, if they play a, 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 with wingbacks, you know, um, I'm of the the opinion that more MLS teams, more teams outside of the Big Five in Europe, really uh, should be playing with wingbacks in a back three or a back five um, rather than a four four two, because I think. Um, wingers are really really tough to come by on a budget those are the types of guys who end up in big teams in the big five league because you have to be you know dynamic 1v1 and smart off the ball and you have to be goal dangerous and you have to hit the last pass and you have to be very quick and very fast and like oh yeah think about all those boxes you're checking those are the types of players that arsenal go out and buy you know like so there's not a lot of wingers to go around and it's a hard job to do when you're learning the game, whereas wingbacks, because of the nature of the, the, literally the shape of the formation, they get sort of a running start when they're attacking space or they're attacking a stranded, isolated defender. I think it is in that sense, it is an easier job to do um, mentally, maybe a little bit tougher physically because you have to go end line to end line, but he's 19. Mm. Uh, yeah. So you would hope that he has the endurance to go end line to end line, given where he is in his career. So I'm bullish on Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy as a fullback, as an attacking fullback. And I think that what um, Cincinnati, another parallel that we're going to draw, what, what they've done with their their uh, wingbacks the past couple of years, what Wilfred Nance did uh, with the wingbacks in Columbus going like, all out attack with those positions. I think that could suit a young kid uh, very well, especially because 
look, he's going to end up out of position a few times. Like the, it's the nature of being a young soccer player. You're out of position. You have three center backs behind you. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's literally 50% more padding than if you're mm-hmm. trying to learn fullback in a four, two, three, one or a four, three, three. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got big hopes for the kid and we consistently remind ourselves that he's 19 years old because it seems like we've been talking about his potential for six decades and, and <laughs> it's just not the case. Um, I just did two and a half hours on on kits last night, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to kits. Uh, favorite kit of the 2024 drop, and then favorite kit MLS kit of all time. Uh, the the Charlie Browns, like those are instantly <laughs> iconic for for Columbus. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure they meant it, but as soon as everybody <laughs> saw it, they're like, "Oh, good! I great, love it! What a great kit!" <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, those are great. the The other ones that really caught my eye, I thought. Um, the gold pinstripes for LAFC were excellent. So sharp. Mm. Really? And um, the Sounders, uh, it's a little bit busy, maybe Seattle's, but like, I, I like the color scheme and then sporting Kansas city, bringing the Argyle. There back. we go. There, you go. there we go. My God, they, I may buy should, it. I may right? buy it. Yeah. They should, they yeah. should never, they should never have a year in which they don't have an Argyle kit. Like that has so, to be their brand. So disgustingly stupid. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so what good. about the Vancouver kit, the uh, the blue guy? I was disappointed in that. So I really? think I think the traditional Vancouver kit with the dark blue and the white stripe, the hoop and the the dark blue. Um, I think those are some of the best long-standing kits in in MLS. And it's like, mm. um, it, you know, it's like the Celtics. Like you can't, you just can't beat the green and the white. Like okay, you might yeah. want to do some fun stuff, but like you shouldn't because you have like a perfect looking uh, uniform. So I was a little, little disappointed with Vancouver's, but uh, hopefully they'll mm-hmm. revert back. As for all time, um, the Colorado, I'm going to go deep cut, the Colorado Rapids 2016 Centennial Kits. Uh, I yeah, thought you were going to go Colorado Caribous. I thought you were going to just bring like, I'm all about suede tassels, man. <laughs> like I, I need the suede tassels. <laughs> if you could combine yeah. those two, um, <laughs> but no, the, 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 the Centennial Kits for, for the Rapids, those were eight years ago. Now those were sharp. It's such a good colorway. Yeah. 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 Did we just learn Doyle's uh, uh Doyle's a low key kit nerd as well, uh, Jeff? I'm actually not, yeah. but like I, I get asked this so often I have to have opinions <laughs> on it. <laughs> the Orlando kit is unbelievable. That collar is stupid. And the San Jose Earthquakes, it looks like a old NASL kit from the eighties. Like it's I think that's what they were doing. Yeah, it's their old logo. Yeah, it's their old logo. Yeah, it's the I mean, why did we get saddled with the FTC logo when everybody else that's doing an alternate badge gets to like break out the Vancouver eighty sixers and L Are you guys ready for a new logo? Is that what I'm hearing here? Uh, no, I love our badge. I absolutely love our traditional badge, but that alternate badge is, yeah. Boy, howdy. Yeah, the less I say about that, I don't the mind better, it as much. I think. I'm not, I'm not offended TFC by this. Kit? Do you remember what it looks like this year? Do you know the TFC kit this year? The white and red? I, yeah, I saw it. It didn't leave an impression on this me at is, all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that old thing. Yeah. Windows XP saver yeah. in the background there. Mm, it's terrible. Yeah, it's yeah. no good. It's yeah. kind of a mess. That's, that's a miss. But I thought, by and large, look, Three years ago or four years ago, I think everybody was like white home kits and like gray away kits. The the league had like the worst color palette in the entire world. By and large, it's come a long way since then. I thought mm-hmm. it was a pretty good drop this year. But again, I'm not a kit nerd. I even though I'm playing <laughs> one on TV right now. I'm I, I mean you've you've convinced me. We I, I could I could make an argument that you are one. I'm out of <laughs> questions, guys. I got my quit one my yeah. kit. Nerd. 
one more for you, Matt. I, you kind of already alluded to this answer, uh, but we will ask just for officially on the record um, on this podcast, at least. Uh, prediction on where TFC finish. Don't in make him say it again. We heard him. Uh, yeah, I know, but <laughs> just you got to rubber stamp it. Uh, yeah, the rubber stamp is I, I picked them to to win the wooden spoon. Um, I I will say it can still be a successful year if you win the wooden spoon, as long as guys like Marshall Ruddy and Spicer and Kerr and maybe a, a young central midfielder as well, as long as you get some development um, and you get some momentum from that heading into 2025, points are immaterial, really are. We'll Tell that enough. to TFC land. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to clip that and use it as a mantra. Just listen to what Matt Doyle said when you're – screaming to from the mountaintops about so it should be on top and yeah. we should be winning yeah. the shield yeah. what's going on <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 oh matt that, think, uh, oh, we went that whole segment without asking about uh some insignia bernardeski which i actually i appreciate because i'm sure yeah we, like oh, what's what more the same we, we've said what so more much can you it. say yeah. like like yeah. the, the thing is like they're talented enough to make all of us eat our words um yeah. <laughs> and that would be that would be a hell of a story let's see it happen yeah, if he t- really. if if Herdman turns them around in one year, he's not long for a TFC job. Like the he'll he'll get the job that he wants in the prem because that is an unbelievable achievement for for a gaffer. So, you know, we could be lamenting the fact that he that he turned the table, he turned the tides with Jeff. That. Jeff is way out over his skis here. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, uh, hey, look, I, I don't think he's I don't think Eddie Howe is going anywhere at Newcastle. Mm. And um, and look, I, everybody kind of knows the John Herman MO. You know, he might be here for a good time, not exactly the longest time in the world um, as Love he's it. looking to climb sort of his professional ladder. But Matt, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to jump on uh, tonight and talk a little TFC with us. You're welcome back anytime. Um, anytime. Good luck on the rest of the season uh, on Apple and on uh, MLSsoccer.com. We really, again, appreciate the time. Appreciate it, yeah, boys. Thank talk you so you. much. Right. Take care. Cheers. Okay. That was wow, Matt Doyle, senior analyst awesome. and armchair analyst on MLSsoccer.com and on Apple. And you you can find him everywhere. He's mm-hmm. everywhere. Armchair analyst. Great columns. Yeah unbelievable absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. no that was that was interesting uh guys because i think he he's a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast but you know maybe it's not a common tone it's just to maybe pump the brakes on the 2024 expectations because it it, you know we probably are in for a long season yeah he he did raise an interesting point about you know the kids and how that could potentially be one of the focuses of Toronto FC this season. That could be one of their, you know, KPIs and measures of success is how, you know, how does, how do the kids come along? How does, uh, you know, John Herman develop them differently than some of the others? Go ahead. John. What's a KPI? <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Nice. I'm writing that one down. I'm going to yeah. use that like for the next week and a half. Very corporate speak. I say. You know, that's mm-hmm. very, very corporate speak. <laughs> cool. You want me to bust out video codec? Yeah. We'll, use we'll, the hell out of you? Like, let's go. <laughs> Game on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, look, I, I think we're, we're going we're gonna to spend a little time talking about diving a little bit deep into roster stuff, into sort of our thoughts on preseason. But, you know, if he is available, if he is here, then let's He's bring here. him in. Um, the one and only John Molinaro, uh, chief editor and uh, founder of TFC Republic. John, welcome back to Toronto till I die. Uh, really appreciate again the time uh, for coming on and sort of talking, you know, three days away, as, as Mike kind of said. Um, and I don't know if that gives you the same heart palpitations it gives me, um, but 
Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts just overall before we sort of start diving deep into into TFC, but just more on the, you know, where you think this club is kind of at going into the first game of the season. Um, I think we're, I mean, if, if this is the roster that, is going to pretty much be the status quo for the for the season, and you know you you would expect changes to come, right? You would expect at some point, Jason Hernandez is going to hopefully make the upgrades that the team badly needs at the forward, and I would suggest at the center back position. But I think as is, I don't think there's much reason for optimism. Now maybe they they maybe they don't get the wooden spoon, and maybe they kind of move up a couple places. But you know this is essentially the same team as it was last year. It's the same team that scored 26 goals, which was uh, tied for the worst offensive record in the league. It's a team that the same team that conceded 59 times, which was the second worst defensive record in the league. So, you know, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a team with essentially the same roster going into a new season with a new coach. And I appreciate John Herman's track record of being the master motivator and being able to change cultures, but you know, this is quite a task for him with essentially, you know, the same roster as last season that, you know, it was the worst season campaign in franchise history. So, you know, unless, as I said, the team can make some serious upgrades during the MLS, the primary transfer window, and I think it's going to go into the summer transfer window. Uh, I don't think TFC fans should be very helpful for any kind of success this year. Hmm. Yep. That's, that's the ML. Hey, JML, how you doing? Hey, hey, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good yeah. to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks. First of all, thanks for joining us. Uh, I, I was telling these guys that I, I blinked, and all of a sudden, the off season has kind of passed us for TFC. Mm-hmm. Um, with kind of the lack of moves that you were you were touching on, alluding to there, um, it does sound like there will be a couple more moves coming in. Uh, you know, fairly shortly. But overall, like, are you surprised by the lack of movement overall when it comes to you know Toronto FC's off season? No. Um, you know, this is the situation that the club is in. Um, you know, they had, I think when, when they made sort of the end of season roster moves, it was essentially 25 or 26 players who were contractually guaranteed for, for 2024. So, you know, moving realistic and they were capped out in terms of their international roster slots. So realistically they had to move players out. They have to move players out before they can sort of bring players in. Um, so, you know, it was always going to be a difficult situation for for GM uh, uh, Jason Hernandez. Um, when I say capped out at international spots, obviously Debbie Flores was one and Tyree Spicer, so mm-hmm. but pretty much capped out, right? But yeah. the point is, like, they would have to move bodies out, and they haven't been able to do that. And, you know, I think the bottom line is this. This used to be a team where players from around the league wanted to come to play with, right? I mean, Toronto FC was the envy of the world, and you talk to players around the league, you know, they would have like, you know, given you their right hand, ripped it off to, to play for TFC. That's no longer the case. I mean, mm-hmm. just in terms of results on the field the last three years, but especially, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff that went on last year. And we, I don't want to bring all that up again, because I think it's been well reported and documented, but I, that's the position that TFC finds itself in. It's, it's, you know, aside from the roster issues, that it had with so many guys under contract, 
people don't want to come here like they once did. And so I think that's sort of the struggle that Jason Hernandez has found himself in right now is that yeah. getting players here isn't as easy as it once was when they were winning an MLS Cup and they were amongst the best teams in the world. Those days are long gone. And any goodwill that TFC had has long been spent. So I think that's just the reality of the situation. So when we talk about, am I surprised about you know the lack of movement this offseason? No, not at all. I mean, it's exactly what I thought it would be. It's funny. The, the number of players Toronto FC signed uh, MLS free agents, zero. Right, and yeah. John, you, you were in that you know media call, I'm sure, beginning of the offseason. I think Jason Hernandez said he was going to be a, a bit aggressive in, in the market. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but sure. you know he was definitely going to target you know, some high, some high profile MLS free agents. And, you know, here we are a couple of days before the season and zero free agents, MLS free agents. So I think that's a good indicator of, you know, at least from an MLS perspective, how players around the league are perceiving Toronto FC right now. They're coming off their worst year from a PR standpoint, arguably, arguably ever, you know, given that's, where that's they were. Something about not ar- no, inarguable. Yeah, inarguable. But that's a that's saying something, right? Like exactly. we know what this team was prior to the golden era, right? And to say that it's that it's worse than that, yeesh, you know. We had money. We had money and potential. Right now, we've got money, less money, and bad vibes. I, I, it's not. It's an easy. It's easy arithmetic for me. Yeah, but I wonder, like you know, in in John, just where Matt Doyle was on just before you came on, and he talked about, and we talked about sort of the you know, the potential for some type of silver lining in the series could be like, look, just bringing in some good vibes, you know, from John Herdman, from from the coaching staff. You know, they're preaching that during preseason and how, you know, the, the, the connections are good and the players are starting to buy into one another. You know, maybe try to give some TFC fans some hope here in terms of can that be something that might, you know, give us a glimmer? I'm not talking playoffs, but, you know, could that be a glimmer or something that could maybe move the needle in terms of results for this team? I mean, possibly. I mean, I think... You know, if if they can have a couple players like youngsters have a season like the one that Kobe Franklin had last year, where he was, I think, you know, for me, and it's it just sort of tells you about how stark the situation was, was probably TFC's most consistent and best player last year. Um, if they can have a player like, you know, a couple players come along and who kind of had breakout seasons like that, if Alonzo Coelho can sort of continue to sort of show you know, the glimpses of what we saw from him last year. If Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy, who at 19 feels like he's been at the team forever, but he's, <laughs> but he hasn't really been, but it seems like every year we talk about, you know, that this is the year that Jaquiel is going to finally break out. And, and, you know, and we haven't seen that from him yet. And if he can sort of finally get the opportunity to sort of show himself and show why he's one of the, you know, the club's highest prospects, then sure, I think that's a silver lining. But those are silver linings that you really want to have, you're going to have to sort of squint to see, right? I think, again, um, unless there are like wholesale roster upgrades made, then I think ro- silver linings like that are going to be really tough to see. And there's just, you know, I think the, t- the team is potentially set up for another really um, you know, disastrous campaign, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a question. You've you've probably been at the BMO training ground. Uh, it's still BMO, right? It's not Kia or they. It's got BMO, a new name. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, what's the vibe like? Is it just a bunch of busy people being busy all the time or is this there a pervasive tension everywhere? Has it changed since the end of the season? Since Herdman? Um, not really. I mean, I think there is a sense, I wouldn't call it tension. Um, I think there is a sense of nervousness. Um, mm. I think there's a sense of, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I don't think it's changed in any sort of marked way, really, Jeff, to be perfectly honest. I think, you know, they're just... Does that give you concern, feeling the vibe around there? Because, I well, mean, you're, you're not exactly you're not exactly the picture of positivity right now. Granted, neither are any of us. <laughs> but, I'm, I, you know, like, is it is, is that influenced it? The fact that you're not getting what you expected when you're at the training ground, you know, you're not feeling that sunshine happiness. I mean, from my perspective, what we're getting out of the club is a lot of telling us what to do. You know, you need to be there on day one. You need to right. do this. You need to buy the ticket and take the ride. You need to be patient. You need to do this. It's a lot of sermonizing from the mountaintop. And I'm just wondering if that's carrying over to the training ground where it's just like, you know, like a, like a, like a work camp basically, or if it's just a whole bunch of busy beavers, like busying themselves with their own individual task kind of thing. Yeah. I suppose it's kind of like the former uh, it's, there's a little bit of that vibe. I mean, you have to keep in mind that, you know, and Michael can attest to this. We, <laughs> we only get to see the team for about 15 minutes of training. It's a small part window that we get. Right. I mean, we don't get, mm -hmm. we don't get to see the entire like training session. It's a small window that we're provided. So it's tough to sort of make a judgment about what the vibe is amongst the players and, and, and like mm -hmm. building when, you know, we don't see it. We're confined to like our little sort of media room. Um, and it's, and it's prep for you. It's a dog and pony show, but John, you yeah. have seen those 15 minutes in the good times, right? Yeah. So you do have a perspective, right? The 15 sure. minutes now are und undeniably enti an entirely different concept than the 15 minutes mm -hmm. in the good times, right? And I think you right. could even glean off um, what the dog and pony show is now as to, you know, what kind of what kind of control the club has over controlling its own narrative to, for lack of using control in two sentences. And yeah, I mean, they, they've had their heads down, right? Like they've kind of gone about and kind of focused on like the task at hand. And it's it's been very sort of controlling them. I mean, this entire preseason has been controlling the message, right? From, from <laughs> in terms yeah. of, you know, we weren't going to get, originally we weren't going to even get, find out the score to a games or, and, you know, like, oh my God. Yeah. try list listed in like the starting 11 on the graphics. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of been part and parcel of that as well. So again, I'm not terribly surprised. Uh, you know, the, the club isn't, I don't think they're in a position to kind of go out of their way to, sort of like open themselves up to scrutiny, right? I mean, they're going to sort of play things close to the vest and sort of keep things at a distance and try to control the narrative as best they can. So, which, you know, from, from my perspective, I don't entirely enjoy. From yeah, I'm sure but, it puts but, you off. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but I get it from their perspective, just considering, you know, what's going on the last three seasons, especially last year. See, I mean, I'll, I'll chime I I personally completely disagree with that method when you're in a market competing with the Raptors, well, sure. the Leafs, the Blue Jays, you know, they're, I mean, again, even though the club is not in a good state, um, the fact that they have people like you and, and Neil that, you know, go out of the way to, to show up and want to tell those stories, 
um it's not like they're being hounded by you know attack dogs when it comes to well, the media in Toronto. Yeah, you're so very respectful. Yeah. It's it's, I, it's an again, yeah. It's yeah, that's another story. But I actually I did want to actually ask you something in relation to that. Um, Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi. Have you oh, were I you able have you been able to kind of speak with them so far this this preseason? No, so I haven't. Um, you know, I've I have to admit, like the, in terms of like when they were down in Florida and California, like TFC was mm-hmm. pretty good about. Like I made you know a weekly sort of like media request in terms of you know, hey, I want to speak to. I spoke to Io Akinola. I spoke to Shane O'Neill. Um, forget who was also on the list. There was Great articles, a, by the way. Thank you. There was about yeah, two they were three, fantastic. There were two or three other players that were made available and uh, was able to speak to them, no problem. Um, you know how it is, Michael. I mean, they always tend to protect the DPs in terms of like having them speak, um, you know, to reporters, especially on a one-on-one basis. I appreciate that, you know, Lorenzo spoke to CBS Golazzo, uh, but I would suggest humbly that they have a much higher profile than TFC Republic. So that's probably why they mm-hmm. let them. But um, no, I haven't, I, you know, and I, to be fair, I haven't even attempted to speak to Lorenzo or Federico because, you know, what are you going to get from them? I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I just don't think they're going to sort of go out and say anything that's remotely kind of revealing and they're just going to like play it safe. So, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I do. I do find it interesting that they're, you know, the Italians are speaking to, you know, media all around yeah. aside from kind of local media. I, I found that is, kind of interesting, but is it surprising though. Yeah, I'm yeah. not surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. What was surprising was that dude spoke Italian phonetically. Like he doesn't know how to speak Italian. <laughs> like that was like a whole thing afterward. The, um, uh, uh, the host of Galazzo was like, Hey man, uh, you speak Italian. He's like, not at all. He like just memorized those questions and then nodded along. Go. And I thought, Brilliant. That was, you know, like, so Jamo, if I, if I can ask, do you expect then given, you know, your initial answer, do you expect to, you know, have the Italians more available this season? Um, to speak to media. I mean, these guys are, they're the DPs, like you mentioned, that they're in essence, the face of the franchise. You know, there's no longer Michael Bradley out there. Sure. We have Jonathan Osorio as kind of the new captain of Toronto FC, but do you expect to, you know, hear from these guys more often this season? No, no. I mean, I did bluntly, Michael, I don't, I think it's going to be mm-hmm. essentially a repeat of last year. I mean, you remember how often we got them. I mean, it was kind of weeks <laughs> and months. Um, when we often spoke to them and really it was only after sort of like a game, right. If one yeah. of them did really well, I mean, when we got, well, they wanted to shit on Bob Bradley. And right. <laughs> I mean, when we, when we got, um, uh, you know, at the end of season media avail, which was, you know, pretty poorly attended, um, you know, the fact that we were able to get um, Lorenzo and Federico, I was actually surprised by that. I mean, I like they were, and they were the first two guys up. And when like we were told that, yeah, Oh yeah. The Italian DPs were going to speak. I was absolutely stunned because I just thought, you know, there's there's no one here aside from myself and Neil. Um, there's not really sort of anything really, you know, there's not a big press horde like waiting to, to sort of to yeah. talk. So I just thought, you know, TFC would take the easy way out and wouldn't put the Italians up. So I was surprised by that. But to get back to your question, no, I mean, I, I really don't think that there's going to be much change in terms of access to the Italians, especially now. I think, you know, maybe if they start to produce and you know start to live up to their dp billings then possibly but i mean i'm cynic i i I just tend to think it's going to be the status quo Mm -hmm. no i think that that's fair because i mean look in the end of the day 
if they talk to local media, the, the only questions they're going to be asked in a lot of ways is, you know, why didn't you perform? Do you want to leave? What happened last year? Why did you want to get a manager out? Right. And, and why is, it, why is soccer different in North America than Europe? That's always thrown out in every one of the interviews. And it's always a chance. Well, for I think like that's interviews outside to, of the mm-hmm. bubble, right? Like with that, those questions were those softballs were already asked the day they got here. Oh, right now it's, it's now they're being asked real e-ball. questions. Yeah. Yeah. They're being asked play, real questions. If I could play devil's advocate, Mike, if, mm. if you roll them out, you know, once a month, you're not getting that those same questions. You might get that the first time, and that's mm. something they inevitably are going to have to deal with. One hundred percent. That is such. But a if good you point. build that that's relationship with the media, you know you can't ask the same question every single time. So I would I would argue, you know, the other way, just playing devil's advocate. No, no, I I don't think that's an unreasonable very fair point. thing to think, right? Like, I think the the scary, not scary, but it, I guess for a lack of a better term, scary part for me is just like, look, these guys were brought in, like you said, Michael, to be the face of the franchise, right? To yeah. be the ones that take this club to the next level. And we talk about their on-field performance. We've done that a lot. But now I'm starting to think about off the field and sort of are are we actually getting our value even on that end of things, right? And Because and, partly they're brought in for a business reason, right? Like it's partly mm-hmm. on pitch, but a lot of it is also a business transaction in terms of growing the brand of Toronto FC. I know no fan likes to hear that word, but that's just a reality of how DPs and a lot of times work. Um, it hasn't been a is, good KPI. <laughs> that week as well. <laughs> trust me, there is somewhere at 40 Bay Street, there is somebody that's got a spreadsheet mm. um, that indicates that. But, you know, to, to jump off that for a second and sort of maybe off the DPs and, and sort of think about the, the team in general, um, obviously, look, I, you mentioned, John, that some of the young players are going to have to, you know, improve for this team to maybe have any kind of successful season. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the the guys that are in the background um, in terms of those young players like Hugo and Bongay, I guess, not really young anymore, but Jordan Perutza. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about a, Co- um, a Kosi Thompson you know, even Lazarus Zabanovich, you wrote a great article why maybe we don't want to rush him yet. Um, but where do you think those type of players are at this point? Like, are they anything on this team? Are they going to provide any real minutes? Or is it maybe time to just think about cutting bait and sort of using either... Okay, you can't really use them as trade bait. I don't know if they have any value. Um, but, you know, is there time to cut bait on them? Because it, it feels like this is kind of the make or break season for especially those three. Yeah, it's something that John Herdman kind of alluded to, like during preseason saying, you know, the second leg of camp in Florida is going to be really make or break for these kind of players who have been on the bubble for a long time, you know, in terms of whether they're going to be regular contributors for TFC or if it's time to move on for them. So, you know, I suspect, um, you know, players like Hugo Mbog and uh, Jordan Perutza and Luke Singh, who we didn't even mention in that mm-hmm. sort of thing, um, you know, possibly Kosi Thompson are either going to, you know, be tried to sold off or loaned out, you know, to, you know, whether it's European clubs or t- teams in the CPL. Um, I look at a player like, um, you know, Hugo and Bach. He's still young, only he's still a teenager, um, still learning his craft. I can't reasonably, I don't think you can reasonably expect him to log anything, you know, resembling, you know, serious minutes this year. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peruzza, you know, God love him, great guy, but, um, you know, has one goal in MLS play for TFC, and that was in, I want to think, say, 2021, 2022. Yeah, yeah it was a long time ago. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, 
um, you know, Kosey Thompson, um, you know, I thought had a pretty decent rookie year. And then last year was, I'm not sure he was quite the same player. And then, you know, went to Norway and that didn't necessarily pan out and they didn't even sort of exercise the loan option. So I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Michael, to answer your question, I, I, I really struggle to see how a lot of these sort of players who are on the periphery of the first team um, are going to sort of make any sort of sub substantive contributions this year, unless, you know, Herdman just says, look, you know, screw it. This is, you know, this complete, this year is a complete write-off and we're building for the future. And I want to get these guys as, as many minutes as we can, but I don't suspect he's going to do that. I think that to some extent he will, but, and to some extent, this is a kind of a, a restructuring year, but I don't think he can go, afford to go all in like that. I mean, mm -hmm. he has to sort of field, you know, the strongest lineup as possible. And to be frank, his strongest lineup isn't going to include the likes of Jordan Peruzza, Hugo Wambag, or Kosi Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's talk Adama Diamande because everybody <laughs> is talking Adama Diamande. That's where right? we're at, where everyone's talking about well, Adama Diamande. That's where we're at. Because obviously Chris Mavinga gets released from LA Galaxy and there's a lot of noise about signing him. And then people are suddenly like trying to figure out what the waiver situation is. I'm under the impression that there's still a very good chance he's still training on his own, correct? He's not, he hasn't been incorporated into full first team training. If that's the case, let's not like put him on the season ending injury list and we get the same roster relief <laughs> we would have gotten from buying him out anyway, right? It's not, it's well, not it's that easy, more. Jeff. <laughs> I'm just I I'm just saying, do you see the logic in a buyout right now? What everybody is demanding. That's a fair question. For for Diamante, you mean or mm -hmm. for Diamante? I don't. If yeah, I mean <sighs> I, I suppose. I mean, look, he's on what six hundred thousand and change. So it's not. It's like that's a hell. That's a healthy sort of number. And sort mm. of you buy him out. You you not only free up that cap space, but you also free up uh, like an international slot. So I could. I think you could certainly make the case for 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 buying him out, even if the even if he is in the last year of his deal. I mean, someone said to me that that someone said that to me the other day. It doesn't make any sense to buy him out. When he's in the last year of his deal, and I was like, "Well, why not?" I mean, yeah, it's still a well, year to play. I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, it's hundred grand. What, what difference does it make? I mean, Josie, if I recall, was in the last year of his deal as well. Yeah, they him out. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, but I don't get the sense that they're going to buy him out. I mean, just from talking to Herdman and everything that he said, it certainly sounds like they're going to give Adama every opportunity to get healthy. And to prove that what he can do, because from what John is saying, it sounds like he, he he writes him quite highly and thinks that if he can stay healthy, which is a big if, that he can sort of be a consistent sort of contributor to this TFC side. So I appreciate everyone is clamoring for the saying, you know, for them to buy out. They want their pound of flesh. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm. But I'd be I'd be a little bit surprised if it happens, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't yeah. yeah, I don't disagree with anything that, you know, you said or Herbin said. I mean, he's what 33 years old he's not necessarily the the oldest player he has you know experience overseas he's proven it kind of an mls and we did see you know very few but we did see a glimpse or two of him yeah, um yeah, and yeah. he is yeah he, he's got talent him it's just a matter of if he can stay healthy i personally also don't think the club has six hundred thousand dollars to burn 
right? That that's what's gonna or anyone start. lined up that would necessitate an instantaneous move. You know what I mean? Well, like, well, maybe they have that, but they this also they're very much you know more money conscious nowadays, given what they've done the last couple of years in terms of spending. Right? I'm not saying they won't spend to their cap. I'm not saying they won't you know <laughs> spend their resources, but going above and beyond, I I've reservations about that. Um, but it does kind of bring me kind of to the strikers at TFC in general. You know, we have our Toronto FC has 17 strikers, it feels like, <laughs> on their roster. Um, 1,700. Does, it does, I do get the sense, though, DeAndre Kerr is the guy right now uh, to slot in as the team's starting number nine. Are, are you with me there? Or is Prince Owosu or even Iowa Canola, you know, making a case there to, to, to push DeAndre Kerr for that starting number nine role? You're talking about Adama. I mean, yeah, I think if he, when and if he gets healthy, then potentially he could push for that sort of starting spot. But yeah. I think right now it's essentially going to be DeAndre with I think Sorry. Io as well. I think Io, you have to remember too, is someone who has a close connection with John because John was the one who sort of courted him when he was, you know, deciding whether to represent the U.S. or Canada. He was the one that gave Io his start with the Canadian national team when he got injured. John didn't forget about him. Io told me that, you know, John may remain in constant contact with him during his awesome. essentially year off. So I think John has sees a great deal of potential in Iowa Canola and feels that he can get the best out of him. And, and he said at the beginning of preseason, it's the best shape that he's seen Io come in into camp, like in terms of with with Canada or the national team. And and speaking, and I spoke to Io um I think what earlier. Oh, well, thanks. And he and like he like he came out like point blank and he said look i'm not going to sugarcoat it i haven't been good enough the last three years and he quite clearly sort of admitted that you know this is like a big year for him because it's mm-hmm. he's in the contract year of his of his contract he he recognizes and admitted that he hasn't been good enough and that it's on him and so you know you can't help but wonder if you know that sort of self-awareness and the fact that he's come into camp in such great shape will lead to him getting you know some opportunities combined with just sort of history is history with John Herdman. So, you know, I, th- I I don't think anyone is kind of firmly has that number nine role down yet. I mean, right now it's probably DeAndre and maybe Iowa's number two. And, you know, when Adama comes in, he'll certainly get a look. But I think it's really, you know, the position is to be one, right? It's, it's I don't think anyone is kind of cast in stone like a Sean Johnson is our starting goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Nasario is like our starting midfielder, our captain in midfield. Um, you know, Kevin Long is going to be our starting center back. I don't think you can say that of the forward position right now. So it's very much up in the air as far as I'm concerned. I was, I was always, always one of my favorite interviews because what you just said, he complete, he keeps it real every single time. One of the best interviews I think on the team. Uh, Brian, I don't want Brian Abrahams. Uh, gave us something, an interesting question. Do you think winning the Canadian championship is a reasonable goal? I feel like that should be what we strive for this season. The caveat, of course, is that we don't have any buys because we were crap last year, so we have to do the the whole gauntlet in the can champ, which means minutes for uh, for some of these fringe players. But uh, the question was levied to you, John. What do you think? Think that's realistic? I think that's reasonable and realistic. I mean, the Canadian championship—it's not an MLS season, right? It's not—you're not playing 34 games over a mm. it is seven-month period. That's like a marathon. The Canadian championship is more of a sprint, right? And it's knockout football, so it's a completely different sort of scenario. And 
you know, you've got teams coming into the competition, whether it's the CPL or other or your CF Montreal and Vancouver, who, you know, like Toronto are going to be competing on different fronts at the same time. They're going to be going through squad rotation. Montreal yeah. is kind of in the same place as Toronto. So who knows how much they're going to sort of put in how much emphasis they're going to put in the Canadian championship. So I think there's potential there. Like if, you know, if they wanted to go all in in the Canadian championship, it's probably not the worst move in the world because win a trophy. It's a, it's a gateway into the, into the CONCACAF champions cup next year. Um, but you know, yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that if Toronto were to do that. And I think that could be a reasonable goal for certainly far more reasonable than, you know, getting mm-hmm. to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I think Can I be honest? Be- I actually thought Prince, Owusu, I forgot Prince Owusu existed until we mentioned him. About five, ten <laughs> well, a lot of people <laughs> forgot Cash and Lulo is also on this team. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't see the hide or hair of him um, outside of a cash money, training man. photo here. Yeah. Cash money. Yeah. It's cash money season, boys. Yeah. We don't yep. know what, uh, what he's going to be. Um, John, I, I don't know if you guys have any other uh, questions, well, but it, do you want to go? One on? last, yeah. One last is for, for me. Um, just overall sense of, we mentioned you guys mentioned it, you know forgot Prince Owusu existed, Cassius Mayula. I'm curious about kind of John your take on the buzz around the team at this time of the year in comparison to you know where it's been in other seasons. Um, do you get the sense that it's it's died down a little bit? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Without any question. I mean, I can mm-hmm. think back to. I mean, I think back to the early days, Michael, like even like sort of like, you know, the first few years, like 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, when, you know, fans knew the team was crap and that it wasn't going to get better anytime soon. There was just a healthy buzz and electricity amongst like the fan base, you know, before the season started because, and I think a large part of that is because of the fan experience at BMO Field, right? Because it was unlike any other sort of sporting Mm -hmm. In in, in 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 the city compared to, you know, the Jays or the Leafs or the Raptors or the Argos. So I think that's a large part of it. And the sense of community that sort of developed around TFC in those early days, uh, I think that's worn off. You know, the, 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 that is like, that is worn off. I mean, the community is still there, but I don't think it's once what, what it, I don't think it is what it what once was. I don't think the atmosphere at BMO Field is what it once was. Um, and, you know, look... Again, we're talking about a team that has been, you know, absolutely horrible the last three seasons. Horrible. You know, absolutely. last year was the worst season on record, and that's covering a mm. lot of ground. And that's coming from me, who's covered the team since day one. I can tell you, that was like the worst team I've ever sort of covered from a TFC perspective. So, was the worst moment Ami Babuka given up on that goal for NYCFC? Because that I think my nightmares. I think mm. in a lot of ways, Jeffrey, that was like perfectly encapsulated. The yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, mentally it, it has frail. to have yakety sacks as the background. Like, it's just Ment- the worst thing I've ever seen. Just mentally yeah. frail, giving up at the first sign of adversity, you know, just sort of going through the motions, not sort of invested, not engaged. That moment was TFC's season. In yep, the yep. From last year. totally agree. So, so, you know, with all of that, it's not a surprise that, you know, that there's, I wouldn't even say that there's a buzz. I think that if anything, there's just a sense of like, oh my God, what is this season going to be? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Forget about buzz. Or, oh my god, is this TFC actually playing on Sunday? Yeah, I think there's TFC just a buzz. have a game. <laughs> the buzz yeah. is the buzz is who sells their messy tickets for the most amount of money to some punter, and that that's and doesn't get a callback demanding their money back when he doesn't play. Right? I think there's just genuine dread. To be perfectly honest, I mean, just from fans, I, that I agree. Watching, and I just like there's 
genuine dread about, oh my God, like what are we in for for this season after last year? So yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Well, can I can I maybe just jump off that really quickly? You know, Mike, you use the word buzz. I may use the word apathy to a certain extent. Maybe not just for the people who are listening to this podcast, because if you're listening to this podcast, you're a sicko. But yeah, you're um, one of us. You're one of us. But if one you know, if you're talking about people outside of that bubble, you know, the sort of the regular sports Toronto sports fan who are like, yeah, I'll go to a couple of TFC games a year and check it out. One in Are particular. Are you in the sense that that is kind of like there's a little apathy there to being like, ah, you know what, mm, maybe not, maybe not this season. I'll, I'll, I'll catch up another time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the loan saving grace is like the messy factor, right? I mean, the potential that, you know, the, the sort of casual sports fans who kind of tune it, you know, watch the odd soccer game or go to the odd TFC game, the potential of of seeing Messi might sort of keep them sort of, you know, vaguely interested in Toronto FC, but. You know, you, you used a great word there, Michael, uh, apathy. And yep. I think that's it exactly. Because, you know, again, in turning back to that Mabika moment, that was apathetic, right? So mm-hmm. the team and you players... Take the like, out, just say pathetic. Yeah, yeah I mean, if, if, pathetic, there's, yeah. if there's apathy within the roster and within the team, then, you know, it's not surprising that, you know, the fans and, and casual supporters are going to be apathetic as well. So, I mean, I think that's just the general theme of, you know, the, the lack of buzz surrounding this team right now. I'm going to call it what it is, sports trauma. I mean, it's not just the team that's suffering from it. It's the fan base. It's uh, it's it's the fan base. And uh, maybe make the shirts not $270 Canadian. That would that would help, you know. Just <laughs> Yeah. They're well, yeah, if you're getting the authentic with printing on it, yeah. With printing on it before shipping, they're about 270 Canadian. Wow. You're the second person that I've seen their soul leave their body when I've made that <laughs> statement in the last few days. Mark Hinckley had the same look as you did. He was like, what? And then yeah. he was silent for like five minutes and I had to vamp through the whole podcast. But yeah. Uh, Jeff, can you do a favor? Crazy. Can you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. Gray's got a comment there about uh, MLS being back. Can you just highlight that? I would do it, but I can't. Uh, I mean, how oh, yeah. is it? Oh, there and, it is. And, and, I, and I will I will probably be the unpopular one and, and agree with Gray there. In a let's, sense let's that... Let's read it. Let's read it. Yeah, for the so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, guys, yeah. but I disagree. I'm so happy MLS is back. Love the league because we don't know where anyone will finish. Not like the top leagues. In MLS, everyone has a chance to move up the table. If you listen to everybody else, Gray, uh, it sounds like everybody can except TFC. So, uh, but <laughs> I, I, I will say this, and I and I had this Twitter debate with somebody um, the other day about, you know, should you have optimism as a fan given how bad this team was the last couple of years and how it's how bad it's projected to be this season? And I think from a, 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 like a fandom perspective, if you don't go into a season with some kind of hope, and I get it, like it's really hard to find hope this year. I, I, I 100% agree. I, I, I'm not naive to what's going on with the team and how the roster is being built and things like that. But every season does have that little glimmer of hope until it gets stamped <laughs> out by week three. But I think every fan does need that. There's a lot of fans that need to have that hope and they need to have that just enjoyment of watching their team play football again. And, and whether you genuinely think this team can be good or just kind of watch to see how bad it could actually get. I think that's a fair thing to be excited that the, the team is playing football again um, yeah. from that perspective. And at least we'll have a couple of months of actual games to talk about. 
um, than just sort of uh, the snippets of headlines from here and there. Um, so I, I, yeah. I, I agree with Gray on that regard. Um, but I also get it if fans are completely apathetic and are completely, you know, just tuned out because you're right, Jeff, like in, from an emotional perspective, yeah, there is emotional sports trauma there. Like how many times can we kind of believe and have our hearts stomped on every time by a we just got to embrace being a meme club again i think that's the answer is just like lean into the skid embrace being a meme club at least for this year you know and just and everybody has fun out there at least that's that's my intention well i I think for again for those who have been with this club from day one we we know what this team was before the the glory times and then you you rode the wave of Javinko and Altidore and Bradley and Vasquez and that that team that was literally unbeatable, um, and now we've seen it come back down and that that the hurts. It, I think it hurts more than anything to see that this team kind of figured it out and then somehow lost the playbook, um, and that that is painful for a lot of fans because it's just like we thought we were never going back there and we just got dragged right back to hell in a sense. Yeah, in the way that it happened, the fashion that it happened. And just to clarify, like, I think, you know, everyone who's listening to this podcast, the people who are tuning in, <laughs> that wasn't really kind of the point that, you know, we were making or that the question I was even kind of getting to. Sure, you know, maybe your fandom can tweak and alter, but, you know, for the most part, you're going to be paying attention to what Toronto FC do. You're going to be watching most games or at least, you know, tuning into most games. I was more so talking about, you know, the people that, you know, don't tune into this podcast or don't watch tfc day to day what's the buzz around them what's the buzz from mainstream media i i I get the sense that it's nowhere close to being as relevant as where it once was and it's not a surprise so that's more so kind of what i was kind of touching on because tfc you know a year ago i remember with their year and a half even with lorenzo insigne and federico bernardeschi signings you know lorenzo insigne was supposed to be our Lionel messi Oh my God, there was a ton of buzz. There was every single day people were doing hits on the radio talking about Toronto FC during mainstream times. Now yep. it's it's almost there's almost a lot of Freuda. I mean, when you're when you're a big spending club and it and it fails as spectacularly as it has with TFC, I mean you see it you see it with the MLS pundits. Like they everyone loves Schadenfreude, right? And we are we are Schadenfreude FC right now. So I, I, I just, I think that, you know, we gotta, we gotta ride that wave, lean into the skid. I don't know how many, how many times I can say it. I'm, I'm just looking forward to, um, porchetta sandwiches, porchetta sandwiches, porchetta sandwiches. I hope they're still there for Mike Newell's sake. And, uh, Hey, you know, sell your messy tickets and and it's free TFC for the next two years. So (laughs) there we go. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we're at that part of the show, guys, where I think we're going to go into our table predictions for 2024. JMO, I know we you know how, not we know how much JMO loves predictions. Yeah, loves predictions. So if you want to stay on and listen to our, our horribly bad predict- predictions when we recount these in October and see how horribly wrong we were, you can. If you want to sign off, we completely understand. But um, yeah, I'm leaving the, the door open to you. You have five seconds to comply. Oh, God. Uh, I'll stay on in terms of if you're asking me for a prediction. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. I'll put them at – I'll be opti- I'll be optimistic. I'll say 12th or 13th in the table. Oh, okay. we got a prediction. Oh, give us a prediction. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised. I know you don't love them. So, 
I uh, appreciate it. Okay, sweet. Uh, also, you right. totally put a you totally put Jamo on the spot. What if he was just like you know, I, I want to get out of here and <laughs> low key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I was saying we would have been fine with it. Door. I was giving the option. I was giving. <laughs> I mean, if he if he leaves, Casey won't make me laugh with the comments for the like in the in the comment thread. So it's like I'm I'm half and half. Um, <laughs> All right. Who's next? Who's next? J you are JPN. You go. You're next. Uh, tenth, tenth okay. and what? tenth and and tenth and okay, why? Uh, I actually, I actually had this written out when I did the season preview for um, that Red Bulls podcast, but I don't have my calculations with me. Trust me, I did some work. Tenth is my answer because um, I did a points calculation and, and who was uh, who oh was in tenth with points last year. So based on that spread, yeah, I'm serious on other people's podcasts. I do research. <laughs> and yeah, um, uh, uh, tenth, tenth, uh, and. Cool. I think we may win the Canadian Championship. Just Ooh, with a, a little... with a, with this? a V's Cup, um, another V's mm -hmm. Cup in the cabinet. Okay, JPN. A little. Oh, did I say V Cup? I meant League's Cup. I meant League's Cup. Sorry, sorry. Oh, you mean League <laughs> Cup? <laughs> no, I meant oh. I mean V Cup. I no, we're oh. we're toast in League's Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. Yeah. All right, Mister Singh. I got TFC finishing thirteenth this year. Um, okay. Reason being is because I don't believe that they are going to be able to score goals. And they're going to struggle to put the ball in the back of the net, right? No changes, no improvement to their number nine position. They're banking on Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi to be the only real, you know, creators on this roster. Through John Herman's system, the fullbacks, the wingbacks, they can get involved a little bit more and create something a little bit more dynamically on the wing. However, I don't also don't believe the fullbacks who are currently on the roster are necessarily the best at creating in the attacking third as well. So I, I, I do get the sense that they're going to struggle to put the ball in the back of the net. Could they improve defensively with a back three? Absolutely. Could they keep games closer? Absolutely. So that's probably my margin of difference from being, you know, a last place team last year to moving up slightly to 13th. Okay, fair enough. So Michael's saying we've registered you at 13th. Um, and I'm not going to be too far off you. I am, uh, I think 11th is where TFC end. And uh, I think that is an improvement because obviously it'll be improvement in places. I kind of looked at it from a look at the record, the amount of draws they had, especially in the early part of the season or the first sort of half of the season. If you look at it from that perspective, you know, that's where I kind of said, OK, I think you can get a couple more wins out of those draws um, with a bet with a slightly better defending. And I say slightly, I still think they'll finish in the bottom half of defending in the league. But I, I, I don't know if they're going to concede, what, 66, 68 goals that we conceded last year. Um, so from that perspective, I think they can finish 11th. You know, I, I, I can see this being a rough year for teams like D.C. United. Um, I can see this being a rough year for, for a team like Chicago. They could be really, really good or really, really bad. Um, so there are a couple of teams that can sort of ride that bad team wave with us in the Eastern Conference. Um, I actually think as much as much as people are putting a lot of stock in the NYCFC, I am not. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, I, there are some teams that could be down there with us. You know, who looks so, like a unit? Orlando City. Yeah. Orlando City. I, I watched them last night against Cavalry. Oh, and wow. I mean, it's Cavalry, so give that what it is, but no, they're, they're, they're solid. They're, they're I think they're shit oh, contenders. So speedy on the counterattack. My goodness. No, they, 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 they look right team. down your throat. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so officially. Them, uh, fourth. 
Okay, just, just, fair enough. Just to throw it down there because we always Shout out really refer to Turks, yeah, you, we always you, refer Keep to the faith, brother. Keep cool. the faith. Yeah. Um, well, so I mean, Jamo, I put you a cheeky have... fiver on MLS Cup because we've got like Leicester City odds right now. So, oh, is it like eight thousand yeah. to one or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Plus so, eight thousand. Uh, so yeah, it probably it's probably gonna get better actually. <laughs> Maybe uh, mm-hmm. as the game gets closer. So, Jamo, I think you said twelfth. Um, Mike saying thirteenth. Uh, I have 11th, and Mr. Nesker has them at 10. Um, so none of us have them making the playoffs. I don't think that's a surprise. Turts does. Um, for the, Turts, uh, does. Turts has them make, well, Turts. Okay, fair enough. Turts, you yeah, have them making fourth. the playoffs. Um, Turts, look, hey, listen, if they make the playoffs, I'll buy you lunch. It's on the record. Um, if they if they make the playoffs. So there you Never go. Never buy me lunch. Well, because you don't make outlandish <laughs> predictions. You're you're a reasonable, Fair thoughtful enough. man. <laughs> Mike, if you make no, the playoffs, we'll buy you lunch, all right? Thank you. That's all I wanted. Um, yeah, I have yeah. one last one last question for, for JMO before we yeah. start to wind this thing down. Um, what's your concern level, or what should the team's concern level be about Lorenzo Insigne's health? It's been a weird one, kind of, this offseason. He's, yeah. he's talked about Ooh, it. Good he's, question, um, yeah his health um you know but struggle with it obviously last year what's what's the concern level with that uh i think there's a healthy concern healthy uh i think (laughs) uh, you know he had he he only played i think 20 21 mls games last year he's Mm -hmm. the wrong side of 30 i mean he's not 35 but he's not 30 31 either so um you know i think last year in a lot of ways it was probably a wake-up call in the sense that you know he there was a lot more travel involved, right? I mean, he, he finally understood what MLS was about in terms of the different playing services and, you know, the grind of like, you know, playing midweek games and, you know, going to Columbus and going to, you know, wherever else and Houston, just the Houston. Involved, Houston. Yeah. So yeah, the different climates and whatnot. So I think there's some concern. I mean, it's interesting you raised that, Michael, because one of the things I, I, I wrote a piece today talking about what are the big questions facing TFC and for me, and what I don't think enough people are talking about is, you know, they have to get a handle on their injury issues, right? I mean, I can remember oh, yeah. last year where I think it was Bob's last game against New England, and they were missing like 11 guys through injury. Yeah. Or, was during the Gold Cup, there was a, a, like three weeks of that. Right. So, mm-hmm. and, there were, you know, there were other games where they were missing, you know, 10 guys, nine guys, guys, yeah. and guys out for long stretches. I mean, Diamanda, exactly. I don't know that he played 500 minutes. Uh, 127 minutes total. There you go. Vasquez missed a lot of time. Um, you know, we're so, not talking about Victor Vasquez on this show. But, <laughs> but you know, so for me, that's kind of one of the big important questions that has to be answered this year, and not enough people are talking about is can they get a handle on that? And it was something that Bill Manning talked about when they you know yeah. during uh Terry Dunfield's introductory press conference, is that they were gonna do a restructuring of the sports department. And they were going to sports, and they were going to get a sports science um, sort of division to sort of really look look, look into this. So, uh, presumably, that's sort of you know been formed, and you know John Herman has has guy you know guys on his team with a sports science background, you know with the training staff and everything. So, I'll be really looking on with keen interest if mm-hmm. how healthy this team can stay uh, this year because they were de- and you know there's a lot of reasons why Toronto FC was bad last year. So I'm not pinning it all on the injuries. Far yeah. from it, but that was kind of one small piece of it. And so I'll be really interested in watching with keen interest if they can get a handle on the injury situation and just keep guys healthy. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. Lorenzo Insigne was held out of at least to the last two or three preseason games as well. I but it wasn't it wasn't because of injury or fitness, Mike. It was because tactics, oh. he knows, so he didn't have to worry about him, right? That comes right from, from the gaffer himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, probably of all the times, of all the seasons that we've seen this club, this might be the one with the most question marks going into game one. And, and frankly, the the season where if if you have to have everything go right for this team to be not just not a playoffs, again, forget playoffs, just to be a semi-competent football team on the pitch, almost everything has to go right. Um, and that is a scary place to be. I think we'll wrap it up there, gentlemen. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Toronto Till I Die a uh, couple of favors to ask, uh, as usual, rate, review the show, uh, thumbs up, subscribe on YouTube, uh, five stars if you're listening on the podcast version, uh, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that w- greatly helps people find the show uh, and build this little uh, TTID community that we're building. Uh, and also give us a follow on uh, Twitter or X or whatever that app is before it dies. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll have to go do it again um, <laughs> on some other app. Um, you can follow us at Toronto Till I Die. Uh, for Jeffrey P. Nesker, for Michael Singh, and for John Molinaro, I'm Mike Newell. See you next Always week. Always a pleasure, John. Cheers, everybody. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Cool. Uh, just one, one last thing. It was a great uh, outro. Just, uh, <laughs> oh, just, did you just, oh, great outro. Nailed the outro, <laughs> man. Oh, you, this you better be this good. Is, you're getting back at me for the lunch thing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah this better we'll be good. This better later. be like we'll the question later. of all time. No, no, no. I just, I just wanted to. You like stuff. Again. Well, first, mm. our, our numbers were fantastic today. Uh, the live show, you guys always tune in very lively. You know, TFC play a game in three days. We're all. You know, as much as we're pessimistic on this show, we are looking forward to watching some soccer again. Um, but I, we got to thank our guests, like Matt Doyle off the top. Yes, absolutely. Uh, super big thank you for, for joining us, bringing some terrific insight. And of course, our favorite guest, John Molinaro, who's on the ground every single day uh, covering Toronto FC. And I can tell you from, you know, firsthand perspective, we're very fortunate to have people like JMO, to have 100%. people like Neil in the position that are willing to go out and invest their time, their, you know, effort, everything into covering Toronto FC. So go support, you know, TFC Republic worth every single dollar that you have. 100 yeah. every single dollar that, that, you know, you spend on that. Um, because like I said, it's, it's as James kind of alluded to, it's, you know, there's not a lot of people that are doing it. Um, so for to have JMO, we're, we're very fortunate and have him join our show, even more fortunate. So uh, here's JMO. That's Thank your flowers. You. That's your flowers, JMO. That's your flowers. Yeah. 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 Enjoy the yeah. flowers. Yeah. I, is there a question in there somewhere? I didn't hear a question. No, that was just love. I just wanted to show him love. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. okay. That's yeah, just, just love. That's, no, just that's love. how we're going to end. That's how we're going to end this preview show. It's just love. Yeah. And, just you know, come back lives. next week and we'll be completely miserable because TFC. Yeah. So TFC thank you for tuning into another that. Toronto Till I Die. Up. Yeah, yeah. Kidding. All right. For Je- Why don't you do <laughs> Good <night> everybody. <laughs> Peace. And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC Till I Die.